Welcome to another edition of your online series for the City Business Festival, which is brought to you by APSA Bank with support from MTN, IT Consortium, Gersau, and GIPC. My name is Bernard Avle. We are still talking about MSMEs, medium and small size industries, and this week we're looking at the how they will recover from COVID. On this third, they want to examine the question of taxes. I'm told there are two certainties in life, death and taxes. We're very privileged to have the deputy managing partner for Ali Nachan Associates, Ismail Ibn Ibrahim, to join us to work through this. Ibrahim, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Bernard. So you are the deputy managing partner. Tell me about Ali Nachan Associates. What do you guys do? Ali Nachan Associates is a law firm. We specialize particularly in tax law, but we provide other corporate uh, legal services and then general legal services as well. I was told that of all the courses law people do, tax is very hard. Some of my meetings in law school said a tax part of law. So you're a tax lawyer? Yes, I am a tax lawyer. Well, is tax law as hard as people make it seem? Um, it's a bit technical. Given the fact that I've been in it for a while, I wouldn't say it's as hard as people see it. And I, I decided to do tax law because of Ali Nachia. He was my lecturer in school and he made it really fun. So right after law school, I decided to enter tax law and started practicing. I know a lot of companies are very concerned about tax, so they will, they will definitely not take their taxes for granted. But for SMEs, how big is the tax question for a small company? So I start my own pineapple mixture company or my shitok company. Is it a kind of enterprise that I should start thinking about tax? So at what point does tax become part of the conversation for small businesses? I mean, not just small businesses, but for everyone, tax must immediately become part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. Because the GRE or the state, whether or not you like it, is a de facto shareholder in your business. Or let me put it, a by force shareholder. And whether or not you make, uh, when you make profits, whether or not you declare dividends, mm -hmm. they will share in your profit. And mind you, financial accounting is way different from tax accounting. So whilst you might be making losses in financial accounting, you might be making a profit in tax accounting and still GRE comes to collect its share. And so depending on how you manage your affairs, if you do not take time, they'll be having a larger chunk of your profit if you are not compliant with the tax law. Mm -hmm. So it's imperative that every business, no matter how small, once you start, you focus on your taxes and deal with it. Otherwise, I love it on the point you made that is that financial accounting is not from tax accounting. Yes. Because I've just looking through some company reports and all the like banks, they all say they made profit. Yeah. Now Quite a number of them make profit before tax. A lot of them make profit before tax. Some still make profit after tax. When you say there's tax accounting and financial accounting, can you elaborate on that? So I'll give you a, a typical point of difference. Mm -hmm. For example, depreciation. A company might have its depreciation policy, which allows it to depreciate at a certain rate. But when you come to tax law, depreciation is specifically provided in the law. And so you must stick to that. And then we do not give deduction for depreciation. We give deduction for what we call capital allowance. Another point is in deductible expenses. For example, you do your repairs, you might want to deduct all of it in financial accounting. But when it comes to tax accounting, because of the tax law, there is a limit to what you can deduct. So you have to be cautious that what you're doing financially uh, might should correspond with what is happening in tax law. Otherwise, you might be making profits. So people are people are more creative when it comes to to to, to profit. I remember when I was in business school, the lecturer used to say, "Cash is king." Yeah. Because depending on how we feel, we can say we made a profit. Exactly. But cash is the main 
barometer of a company's health that's what he said and i think he explained that is that the kind of thing you're saying in terms of even the differences again so that when it comes to tax what the tax person is looking for is not based on what i want to do gross profit you want to do operating profit basically they have a certain number they are looking for once they see that or once they see that ratio they are going to tax you yeah exactly i mean if you are looking at deductions mm -hmm. because tax law is specific with what you can deduct for example there's this expression that you can only deduct what is wholly exclusively and necessarily incurred bernard if you are doing your business you might say that i took person a to a restaurant and i incurred so much so i'm deducting it but the taxman would ask you whether it is necessary for you to incur that expense, for example, in your legal practice. If it's not the case, it might not be deductible. And there is a practice where businesses might have a separate financial statement for the banks and they have a different one for the taxman. Because they want the banks to see that they are financially liquid, they might do the right thing over there, increase their amounts. But because it will be a different consequence with a taxman, they'll reduce what they are earning. So there's actually a difference between financial accounting and then tax accounting. So in that respect, people who own companies, what law must they start reading to acquaint themselves? Because you keep making reference to the law. Yeah. So when it comes to tax accounting, it's the law. It's the law. So it's not based on the method you were taught, whether you were taught in the German school or the British school. Mm -hmm. So which laws come to mind when we talk about tax? The first law you have to look at is the Income Tax Act. 2015 mm -hmm. Act 896. Mm -hmm. If you are registered under VAT, you must look at the Value Added Tax Act 2013 Act 870. Mm -hmm. These laws also have their regulations. We have the LI 2244 mm -hmm. for income tax regulations. We have the LI 2243 mm -hmm. for VAT regulations. And then there is also the Revenue Administration Act, which is the act that administers all the taxes. That's where you have the offenses, the penalties, the time for filing your tax and all that. Mm -hmm. So these are the three main laws you have to look at. There are other laws, depending on what you do, the Customs Act, mm -hmm. the Excise Tax Act, and what have you. But these are the three but main But the three laws. main ones should be the, the, the ones you should look out for. So when we talk about small and medium-sized organizations, from off the top of your head, what, what are their main tax obligations? So maybe I'll give an example. I produce shito. I like the shito example. Yeah. I mix shito. I package it. I sell it in these uh, filling stations. I'm thinking of exporting, but I'm not yet there. Yeah. For a basic business like that, I produce all my raw materials from here. Maybe I import the glass from some place. What would typically be my tax obligations? So, unfortunately, we do not particularly have uh, tailor-made tax obligations for SMEs. The tax obligations run across. The main thing you have to look out for is filing your income tax returns. And then there's a self-estimate return. I'll explain these things. Mm -hmm. You have to look out for withholding tax and withholding tax returns. And again, if you're registrable under VAT, you have to look out for filing your VAT returns. So in terms of the income tax return, mm -hmm. this is when you have completed the year, what we call the basis period. Mm -hmm. And then you want to tell the GRA, this is how much I made. These are my expenses. This is my what we call the chargeable income after deducting your expenses. And so I'm supposed to pay so much tax. You usually file the tax return around April of the next year. So for example, for 2022, you have to look out to be able to file your tax return by April of 2023. Now on the self-estimate assessment or self-assessment estimate is where at the beginning of the year, say by March, you tell the GRA, this is how much I anticipate making in the year. 
and this is how much my taxes is going to be and so you are going to pay on a quarterly basis that is what we call the self-estimate assessment you have the opportunity to revise mm. this along the line but if you are looking at micro micro uh, what's it called businesses or micro enterprises mm -hmm. there's what we call the tax stamp mm. where they they have an amount they have to pay on a quarterly basis mm -hmm. but even with a micro enterprise you are talking about barbers hairdressers what have you the law says that the the, the tax they pay on a quarterly basis is on account mm. and so they still have the responsibility to file their tax returns that's why i say we do not particularly have any tailor-made uh, tax obligations for smes it cuts across board so when you said the company must pay income tax this is the corporate income corporate income not tax. personal income so what if in the example i give i work with three people so i am the ceo and then i have a sales girl and then i have two people who help me with transportation and I pay them salaries. Who does the filing of what? So I've done the income tax for the whole company. Do I also need to do PAYE for them? Yes, uh, PAYE, that's under withholding taxes, one of the responsibilities of employers. You have the obligation to withhold taxes from their salaries and then pay to the revenue authority. Mm -hmm. Now there's a slight twist here. Mm -hmm. um, when Act 896 was introduced, mm -hmm. an employee did not have to file his returns if their only source of income was from employment mm -hmm. but there was an amendment where that was taken out which technically means now even employees have to file their returns so after your employer has filed your pay return you still have the obligation to go and file your personal income tax the practical difficulty with this and i usually ask even in the gre is it the case that every single employee of gre is filing their personal income tax that's the practical difficulty mm -hmm. but as far as the law is concerned now even employees have the responsibility to file their returns after their PAY has been so filed. even if your company is paying you 5,000 CDs and they file that based on your tin if you earn another thousand from other activities the law enjoins you to but that's interesting because some companies file group yes. so maybe you have 60 employees you sort of pay them their salary and then you jointly send their tax thing mm -hmm. and then the GRE distinguishes from that. Yeah. So now if you're an individual within that 60, how are you going to set up for yourself? It's a bit complicated, isn't it? You see, ideally when an employer withholds taxes from you, it's mm -hmm. their responsibility to give you a withholding tax certificate. Good. This is another thing that practically employers are not doing. Mm. So if Bernard is employed by me mm. and I withhold, I give him a withholding tax certificate for every month that I'm withholding from him. At the end of the year, when we enter April, mm -hmm. he can go and file his own returns, especially if he has other income from other sources. Now, that was the basis on which the law said that if an employee's only source of income was from employment, they didn't have to file returns. But if they had other sources of income, then they have to file returns. Mm -hmm. But that was taken out. And so whether or not you have other sources of income, you still have to file your tax returns. Wow. So you've spoken about the S company, the, the law not distinguishing a small business and large business. So you file your corporate income and then you file the returns for your employees. What about VAT? Does it depend on what kind of business you're in? VAT depends on a threshold. Mm. There's a threshold for 200,000 CDs that if you reach within the course of the year, you have to register and file the tax. If you are making, say, 50,000 in a quarter, 
or say you anticipate in the next nine months you are going to make the 200,000 Ghana seed, then you have to register for VAT. So we have what we call the taxable supplies and, and literally most supplies are taxable supplies. Unless you are exempt or you are providing a zero rated service. Mm -hmm. Even the zero rated service, it doesn't mean you're exempt. Mm -hmm. It means you are charging VAT at zero percent, okay. but you still have to file the return. Mm -hmm. So if you're a small business who reaches a which reaches a threshold, you have the obligation to file. Mm -hmm. There's also the voluntary registration mm -hmm. because you might have big businesses asking you, where is your VAT? So if you voluntarily wish to register for VAT, you can also register for the VAT. But you cannot deregister unless after two years, once you register. So VAT is based on threshold. Yeah. So that suggests that even companies that are supposed to be SMEs, on the definition of threshold, a lot of them will qualify to, to Yes, they will qualify. By. If you are looking at especially the medium enterprises, mm -hmm. um, for example, when before the restructuring of GRE, mm -hmm. they had the medium tax office which took care of uh, companies with turnover from around 90,000 to 5 million Ghana cities. So most medium enterprises are, would, going, yes, to are going to be. So there are very few companies that would not charge VAT. Yes, very few. Maybe like a small barber shop or something. Exactly. The rest. But what about records though? So if I'm a, I'm a company, how do I know even how much I earn? Some companies don't know. Maybe I have a barber in Taifa. Is it how maybe you can tell me how you help them know? Because if, if the tax official comes to my barber shop and says, Oh, me, I'm, I'm a small shop, I don't earn up to uh, 200,000 in a year, and they want to check, how will they find out? I mean, if you are looking at the typical barber, not mm -hmm. the data bar kind of barbering shops yeah. which are making huge sums of money, mm -hmm. the typical barber or hairdresser is subject to the tax stamp, okay, where you have. Um, a allocated amount that you have to pay every quarter and it's because they have the trouble of gathering records and what have you but mm -hmm. even then they are not relieved from filing tax returns mm -hmm. so for a typical barber you can have your cash book where you are writing mm -hmm. how much you make and and all of that mm -hmm. i mean record keeping is the is, is a bane of our economy because we have a largely informal market mm -hmm. And so I can understand the practical difficulty, especially with micro businesses. Mm. But for small and medium enterprises, they should because be able to get someone to help them with their records. This is the City Business Festival. We're talking about re revamping or reviving your SME post-COVID. And we're looking at the tax angle. So far, my guest, who is in the person of Ishmael Ibn Ibrahim, has been explaining to us the basic issues around taxes, distinguishing between the financial accounting and tax accounting he talks about the importance of the three main laws also discusses the tax threshold when we come back we'll ask him some practical tips about how small businesses can manage their tax liabilities in a way that doesn't emasculate the business he will also explain the difference between tax evasion and tax avoidance it's a very big topic globally <laughs> to explain that for us and then help us with practical ways we can deal with the revenue authorities in order to be a law-abiding business but at the same time not cutting your nose to spite your face stay with us 
The entire month of June is dedicated to business on City TV and 97.3 City FM. This June, the City Business Festival will give entrepreneurs, SMEs and individuals the needed insights and knowledge to advance their businesses throughout the month. As the world adjusts to life after the pandemic, the City Business Festival will give SMEs the opportunity to reboot their businesses with expert forums, discussion platforms and interactive Zoom sessions all month long. Get ready for the various panel discussions and business forums live on City TV as we discuss key business topics and strategies that will address the challenges that confront the business community with exciting themes each week in June. And as well, every weekday in June, tune in to the City Breakfast Show on 97.3 City FM for the City Business Festival on Air Series and gain the knowledge you need to kickstart, grow, improve, strengthen and expand your business. It will be a month filled with knowledge, expert conversations, panel discussions, exciting events and on-air conversations with the City Business Festival. This June, only on City TV, 97.3 City FM and CNR Digital. The City Business Festival 2022 is proudly sponsored by APSA and supported by MTN Momo, MTN Business, GIPC and IT Consortium. Welcome back. This is the City Business Festival. We are in our second week. We're discussing how SMEs can recover post-COVID. My guest is Ismail Ibn Ibrahim. He is the Deputy Managing Partner for Ali National Associates, their tax consulting firm. He's given us all the insights into taxes for your SME. So you've said the government doesn't distinguish between size of business, except, of course, the tax stamp versus the main laws. So... I think one of the key things people complain to me about is actually the taxes are too many and they want a way of managing their tax. Of course, with a legal way. Yeah. So are there any general tips you can give to companies, small businesses, in how to manage their tax obligations in a way that does not necessarily destroy their, ta- their cash flow? Okay. Um, in terms of managing so that your cash flow is not affected, mm-hmm. the first point will be your self-estimate assessment or self-assessment estimate. Mm-hmm. Now, as I explained earlier, this is a situation where you are telling the GRE how much you anticipate you make in the year mm-hmm. and how much taxes you're supposed to pay. So, for example, if you anticipate you make a thousand CDs in the year mm-hmm. and your tax liability, just for example, would be around 200 CDs, you could reduce your estimation because you need uh, time value of money. You could reduce your tax estimation to say 150 CDs so that you have extra 50. Because there's the opportunity for you to review your assessment in the course of the year. Mm-hmm. In the course of the year, you make sure that you review the assessment to what it's supposed to be. Or any extra you make, you review to that effect. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the, the point here to note is not to overly underestimate because there's a penalty for underestimating tax less than 90%. Of what you actually owe and so you have to make sure that if you reduce your estimation along the line you review to the right amount another thing i can say is that you take advantage of the opportunity to apply for extensions now you're supposed to file your return mm-hmm. and pay the tax at the time you're filing your return mm-hmm. if you anticipate you'll not be able to have the money mm-hmm. to pay the taxes you can apply to the commissioner general for an extension of time within which to pay your tax or to file your return these are ways that can help you if you're a very compliant taxpayer 
there's the opportunity for you to apply for exemption from withholding tax. Now, withholding tax is when you are paying for a service and then they withhold a tax in advance from you. Mm -hmm. And so if you do not want to be suffering the withholding, that is people withholding from you, you can apply for an exemption from withholding tax. That allows you some cash flow. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing is the general point, which is about tax planning. Mm -hmm. Arranging your affairs in such a manner that you are not overly paying taxes. Mm -hmm. It's your opportunity, it's, it's your responsibility to pay tax, mm -hmm. but you do not have a duty to pay a tip on the mm -hmm. tax. Mm. So you make sure you arrange your affairs in such a way that you're not valid paying tax. And let me say this. Mm -hmm. The first point in tax, in tax planning is tax compliance. Mm. Because you do not want to be marked with penalties and interest for failure to comply with the tax law. So that's the first point of tax planning. And then the other areas will be taking advantage of the incentives. And the but you said something about the estimate. Who determines it? Is it a discretionary issue? So it's the opportunity for you to self-assess. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning of the year, mm -hmm. I'm going to make 20,000 Ghana cities based on what I've done previously. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, the commissioner has the right to review assessment. Hey. But largely, commissioner is this opportunity <laughs> is given for you to self-assess. Mm -hmm. and, and let me just take this, put this in. When it comes to tax administration, mm -hmm. the authority relies heavily on voluntary compliance. Mm. So it's up to the individuals, the taxpayers, the companies to voluntarily comply with the tax law, which helps the state. Mm -hmm. So that's why you're given the opportunity to self-assess and determine mm -hmm. how much tax you're supposed to pay. When the year comes to the end, then you can file your returns and state how much you actually made. But this can be audited mm. anyway. So. Is there anything like a tax holiday or tax window for startups in our law. I think there was some suggestion in the budget about something like that. Is there anything like that where if I start a company in the first few years, I'm tax exempt? Yeah, there are, there are what we call the tax concessions or concessionary periods. Mm -hmm. So these are mainly for farming industries. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I, the specific details, for example, farming tree crops, you have 10 years from the beginning where you pay 1% tax. If you are into livestock apart from cattle and fish mm -hmm. it's five years if you're into cattle farming you have 10 years and you're paying one percent tax if you're into algo processing i think it's around five years or 10 years from the beginning mm -hmm. and there's also an incentive for young entrepreneurs mm -hmm. young entrepreneurs are people below the age of 35 years mm -hmm. so for young entrepreneurs you have a breather of five years where you're not paying tax and after that you might be paying tax at 15 percent or 12.5 depending on the location of your business mm. so these are some of the incentives that you could take advantage of is you're talking about um, writing to the commissioner general for deferment yes under what conditions will he say yes so what what, what i can't just say honorable amisha that i'm hustling so give me a deferment yeah. should are there what what this what how does he exercise the discretion to say yes to me having written and said whatever what that what does he look out for i mean from my from my experience it's usually based on your past records how compliant you've been and then if you have a reasonable excuse as to why you cannot file your tax at a particular point in time mm -hmm. now some the, the biggest challenge of some businesses is mm -hmm. when they have their audited financial statement mm -hmm. sometimes it's, it's delayed it's protracted so that by the time you're supposed to file your returns it's not ready this is a reasonable excuse why you're not able to file your returns but other than that you cannot wake up one day and say I don't feel like filing my returns. Let me ask for an extension. You have to have something reasonable to show why you cannot file. Or maybe your your, your business is not doing well, and you are having, for example, or your debtors are not. You are, you owe people, or people maybe owe you. They are not paying. 
or depending on the nature of your business, let's say you're a self-employed person, you're mm -hmm. out of the country, mm -hmm. you're unable to put things together to file a return or pay your tax, you could write a letter. But this, this power is granted reservedly. Mm -hmm. they, they really make sure that you have a reasonable excuse mm -hmm. to be given this opportunity. I was talking to some business owner who said she was frustrated because, and this is VAT, she's saying that people have supplied, she supplied things to people and people have not paid yet GRA says she owes so she has to pay and she's basically saying well the person hasn't brought the money to me so why do I owe and apparently that's the law I don't know if you can explain that yeah so that's one of the practical difficulties when it comes to VAT I, I have always explained to businesses mm -hmm. for example you supply something with 200,000 Ghana CDs mm -hmm. the person is paying you in seven or six installments but you issue an invoice for 200,000 Ghana cities, you owe the tax immediately. Immediately at once? Yes, because you have issued the invoice. And so what is practical to do is that if a person is paying in installments, then you issue the invoice according to how much is being paid. That may so be the sensible thing to that, do. Yes. Once you issue the invoice, the tax is due and the, you are supposed to pay it by the next month, the last day of the next month. And so what's your excuse? You've issued the invoice. That's interesting. So, if a, a way of legally getting around that is to issue the invoice on the basis of the payment plan. Yes. So, you come to pay me, I give you an invoice. Otherwise, you might be shooting yourself in the foot, and it doesn't make business sense for you not to get the money or not to have the money, and you would have issued the invoice for the whole amount. So, if, if, you, if you have enough cash, you can take the responsibility. Let me issue the invoice. I'll pay the output. The person will come and pay me. Mm -hmm. But if you're not in the position to pay the output out, out front, then it's better that you issue the invoice based on what is given to you. Mm. This is very interesting, and I'm sure there are a lot of people who are concerned about this. The other issue that has come up is the calculation of the VAT flat rate scheme thing. So, again, can you explain? Apparently, it was 4%. And then we are told now it's 19.125. I don't know if you can explain what's going on there. So there's a, there's a standard VAT mm -hmm. and then there is a flat rate. Okay. The standard VAT is where you are looking at the 12.5% VAT component itself, mm -hmm. the NHIL and get fund of 2.5 each, mm -hmm. and then the COVID levy of 1%, mm -hmm. which technically gives around 19.25. So whilst maybe the politicians might be saying VAT is still 17.5%, technically you are paying 19.25%, mm -hmm. which makes it go higher mm -hmm. and causes an increase in prices. Mm -hmm. And then there's a flat rate, which is at 3% plus your COVID levy of 1%. The flat rate applies to importers and wholesale, uh, import retailers and wholesalers. But now they've brought a threshold mm -hmm. of 200,000 mm -hmm. where you would be applying the flat rate so that they are not unnecessarily worrying businesses. Mm -hmm. yeah. So has that brought more people into the tax net? Because I hear uh, more companies are complaining. See, my personal challenge, and this is not the opinion of my firm or anything, mm -hmm. my personal challenge is that we've always discussed widening the tax net but what we are doing is deepening the tax net the same people who are paying are suffering more and more but now i'll give you this example when it's time for elections mm -hmm. you can get people to go to all the nooks and crannies all the corners in the country to get people to register to vote mm. if we make the effort to go to every corner of our country for informal businesses to register for the vat we'll be raking in more 
and the wider we go the more we make the more we make because if you go deep on 100 and you go wide on a thousand exactly. you're going to earn more exactly going wide on the thousand than going deep on the hundred so with all these changes the tax compliant guys are getting more taxed yes but the non-compliance are still getting, away, still getting away for example there is a modified taxation in the second schedule of the act mm -hmm. which you find the presumptive taxation mm -hmm. so for businesses that are making around twenty thousand to two hundred thousand there's a three percent uh, income tax on your revenue this has been in the act since 2015. Mm -hmm. i don't know when it's going to be applied it's not yet been applied it's not yet been applied amazing stuff so as a way of going forward just reiterate the tips for your tax planning for small business you you, you mentioned some key points i wanted to highlight again you said i think number one make sure you're tax compliant make sure you're paying yes make sure you're registered and then you said a few other things so the first one be tax compliant mm -hmm. the second thing when it comes to filing your self-estimate you can slightly reduce it mm -hmm. so that you have use of your money and then along the line you review it mm -hmm. and then you can take advantage of the incentives in the act so for self-employed peoples especially there there are the personal tax reliefs dependent spouse thousand cities for every child that you are mm -hmm. taking to school you have 600 mm -hmm. per child up to three children mm -hmm. all these things a young entrepreneur can take advantage of the incentive in the act which allows you a concessionary period of five years um, there is also the concessionary period for farming industries and and what have you mm -hmm. and then the expenses deductible expenses you take advantage of the capital allowance provisions mm -hmm. deduction of repairs and maintenance and what have you mm. those are those are within the confines of the law mm. but to the extreme uh, some of us could come in and help you with some tax plans. there are lots of small businesses which have not registered to pay tax i remember when the uh, e-levy team was doing their education they were saying if you make a payment to a tax paying entity on some of the platforms it is e-levy exempt so they're trying to encourage these companies to register with the registrar general register with the the, uh, uh, the what do you call it the gra so that people can be exempt i just don't know what you think for small businesses at what point should they register to be taxed because i know a lot of them who still don't want to get known they they i'll give an example so sometimes i go and buy something from a shop the barber i go to i can pay with the star 170 hash he's a registered merchant so i'm sure he pays tax because he's registered as a business and i think you cannot register as a business if you don't have some record but there's some shop i go to buy food when i have to pay momo they don't give me the star 170 they just say pay to my momo number so the barber i pay star 170 hash as a merchant but this shop they just say oh send to my momo and add charges they still haven't registered as a merchant which i find is interesting and this company makes more money than the barber you know that the thing with our system is that there is not proper communication between the institutions mm -hmm. for example there's a difference between registering your company and registering the gra okay there are companies that are not <clears throat> in the books of the registrar general mm -hmm. but they still pay tax because gra knows them okay a lot of businesses do not want to be known because once you step your foot into the water you are caught for life they will always come after you in three they say oh don't start to abbreviate animal so that's why a lot of people do not want to go to the tax office to register because mm. once they get to know you they'll always come but but so, so but then the grs should find a way of making it easy and also for being more lenient because if i am paying tax 
for six years and this year i'm hot and someone is not paying tax for the past six years you they seem to be prosecuting me the guy paying for the past five years who is defaulting one year and the guy was only paying for six years nobody still knows him exactly exactly i think we have to my little advice is that we have to move from the point where we have a more prosecutorial mm-hmm. point of view towards the taxation to mm-hmm. more of like a business mm-hmm. uh, situation because mm-hmm. see the taxpayer as your customer how would you treat your customer i mean for the recalcitrant ones definitely they have to deal with them mm-hmm. but for those who are paying tax for example i have a client who has been paying tax all these years mm-hmm. and then they have an issue just in an audit they did for 2019 their accounts were garnished just like that just like that i mean the audit report is there you've objected they get an escalation letter and then the next thing you see the account is garnished wow so these are some of the instances where you might look at the history of the person and say oh there's a tax there's a compliant person Mm. let me be a bit relaxed with them rather Mm. than the recalcitrant ones who definitely have to be prosecuted there's a lot to learn from the conversation thank you very much ismail ibn ibrahim is the deputy the managing partner for Ali Nacha and Associates, they are tax consultants, legal tax or tax law consultants. <laughs> I'm sure you also have an accounting side, which, yeah. is, which is like a sister organization. Thank you for your, your insights. So that's all we have time for for today's edition. is brought to you by APSA Bank, MTN, IT Consortium, GIPC, and Gersal. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.